The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you all back, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited for our guest today. He is the president of FlowCap Advisors, a professional coaching service, Mr. Edmund Chin. Edmund, how are you today? I'm doing great, Cody. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year if you're listening to this when it comes out. Really appreciate it. Really excited to have you on today. I know a lot of people probably know you from all your presence on the interwebs, but for those that are maybe hearing your voice, seeing your name for the first time, would love to get your origin story out there for our audience. Yeah, I guess a, a quick background is, is that I started out in financial services, really in private equity real estate. I started out in uh, around 2001. I had spent about a decade in private equity real estate. I became a senior partner of a private equity firm, managing about a half a billion uh, of assets for high net worth families. Uh, myself, I was respons- personally responsible for about 70 million of that. And today you're doing professional coaching on uh, kind of the financial sales side for those that are uh, more customer facing in uh, kind of the real estate syndication world, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really my wheelhouse. So I had been client facing and doing investor relations at the private equity firm. And really, when you look at private equity, I break it down to one side or the other, which is asset management or client facing. So my specialty for over 10 years has been, or pretty much 15 years, has been client facing. A big part of that is trying to find new clients, trying to find accredited investors, managing the money and doing investor relations and keeping them up to date on, on the investment products. Well, listen, we were talking a little bit offhand or off camera there for a little bit, and I'm really excited to hear your story today. And I think our audience will too. So uh, let's jump right in. I know you got a kind of real interesting one, maybe a shocker to some. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to chatting about it. Yeah. Well, let, tell me, you know, we bring folks on super successful like yourself to, to really kind of uncover the other side of real estate, the stuff that really goes on that we don't necessarily post about on social media, the, the things that we typically will learn the most about. So when you were thinking about, you know, some of the, the pains or struggles that you went through in your career, what was the one that popped up in your mind? When you mention the word pain or struggle and you associate that with my career, I would say the darkest time I had to go through was quite obviously 2008. 2008 was a, it was a whirlwind and it was an incredible time for a lot of people in financial services, especially real estate. Well, what specifically happened in your world? Because I know, like you said, everyone was kind of in this spiral. They, they, some people said they saw it coming. Others, they were blindsided by this. What was going on in your world as this kind of financial crisis kind of changed what we we knew was pretty a, a rock solid uh, investment strategy back then? Yeah, a big part of it was that it was so vast, which started out, and you know we don't really have the time to go into it in detail. But if you watch like the Big Short and how it started all in real estate, and it started to get into broader markets and really started to influence global markets as well. So not only just the Dow Jones, but everything else, um, and. It was just such a huge and vast kind of uh, kind of downturn that it was it was just unprecedented at the time. At the time, most people, including myself, as money managers, there was a whole cohort of people that have never gone through a downturn, and that was the first time. And it was intense, and you, you really had to look at how do you go and handle this, and how do you update clients. 
Like for me, I was, I, I lost, and I, I was in my early thirties. I never thought in my early thirties, like when I was back in high school, I never thought I would be managing millions of dollars, let alone lose millions of dollars. So in 2008, I lost about $35 million in the course of about a couple of weeks. And it just blew my mind that, you know, I, I can never imagine making that, let alone losing it. And it, it was just an insane time. I know there's there, there's an interesting story behind it and, and how you came out the other end. And obviously you're very successful now. So we know you did, but what's going through your mind when in the moment, when something like that's happening, when you, when you see all the funds and the money that you're managing and you're seeing that decrease that drastically, what's going through your mind and, and how are you managing that personally? Right. So the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be in shock. Right? You're just going to stare at the screen and you start getting tunnel vision. And when you get tunnel vision, when it comes to psychology, you go into what's called the limbic mode. And the limbic part of your brain is basically the part that goes fight, flight, or freeze. And more times or not, when people are immediately hit with something that's shocking, they, they pick freeze. So they just, you're just staring at the screen and in and, and disbelief. And you take a look at CNBC and it's just absolute disbelief. Like what's going on? And then the gravity starts to hit you. And then you start to panic. People get what, got a cold sweat. You figure out what the heck am I going to do? And it's like, I, I promise. And then you start thinking about all your clients. I promise this old mom and pop, 65 years old, they're, they're retired. They sold their business. They, it took their business. It, it, they barely made a million dollars. It took them 40 years to make a million dollars. And now their portfolio is half a million dollars. And I got to call them and tell them, hey, basically 20 years of your life disappeared overnight. So you're you're in this you're in this tunnel vision mode. You're looking at the screen. You're, then you you start thinking about your clients and doing that. When you start calling your clients, well, what goes on there? Because I I gotta imagine, like you were saying, that's that's not an enjoyable call to make. And I know, even nowadays, you know, mo- most of the folks that are out there, they, they probably haven't had to face something like that. You know, all these properties are doing incredibly well, whether you're in single family or multifamily. Uh, these properties are doing well, so they probably haven't had to face something like that. So. What was it like having to make these types of calls and what, what went through your kind of that process of doing it? What really helped me was that I had a mentor and I had, I, I looked to the senior advisors and they helped us through. So the ones that have never gone through a downturn, the senior advisors pull us aside and say, hey, listen, we went through this in 2000 or we went through this in 1987. So on Black Monday, here's how we made it through. And the people that made it through Black Monday, they were mentored by, you know, so on and so over the last time. You look to the senior people and the people that have done it before, and they'll tell you how to go through it. If you're in financial services, real estate, don't ever think that your product can't go down or go, can't go sideways or completely ob- obliterate. You know, it's it, it, if if you haven't experienced that yet, you just haven't done it long enough. And that's what we, the first thing that we teach you in financial services, right? If you haven't lived through a downturn, it's going to happen. You just have to accept the fact that it will happen. The first thing that I learned is, is that my mentor pulled me aside is that you got to get on the phones right now. So snap out of it, get on the phones, because there's one thing about bad news. It's not like wine. It doesn't get better with age. It, as bad as it is, you got to rip the bandaid off and call immediately. So information, bad information is best disseminated to the clients quickly. As soon as you know, send it off to the clients. If the clients find out that you waited a week or two weeks, it just makes it worse. I love that. And I know a lot of us probably hesitate to make that call. Uh, we don't, no one likes delivering bad news, but a lot of us will hesitate to make a call, email, text, whatever it may be, whatever communication. But communication is key and early communication and acknowledging the challenge is what you're saying is, is crucial. So after we acknowledge it, we reach out, where do we go from there? 
So the first thing is, is that you got to take the punch to the face. So lean in. It's like the coach tells you, you're, you're gonna, you know, you lean into the ball and take the base. It's going to be rough. It's going to be brutal. I had a lot of people screaming and yelling at me, a lot of obscenities. And in fact, the worst two uh, clients that I had, uh, they were legitimately death threats. Like they were, they were pretty, you know, pretty peeved off. Right. Oh, wow. So they said death threats. I don't know if they were actually execute on it, but I mean, they kind of suggested it and they were pretty threatening. Right. So death threats. The interesting thing is, is that I had a desk mate and she panicked. So she froze. We couldn't get her out of it. It was a hectic time. I had my own clients to call and I told her just get on the phones. So I think she got maybe on one phone call and somebody started screaming obscenities at her and she panicked and she stopped and she just couldn't make any more calls. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain later how, you know, how bad it actually started getting. Right. So the first thing is, is that get on the call, call your clients as quickly as possible. For me, I stacked it from the, my highest net worth client all the way down, like the one that had the most of money with me all the way down. And it gets, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going. So start with the hardest ones first. The, the next part of it is, is that keep information flowing. One of the next things that they told me is that once you've updated everybody on the damage, now keep them going on, on updating on what you know. Sometimes it's, it's uh, what, what it's basically doing at the time was, I was saying to myself that I wanted to stay ahead of the voicemails. If somebody left a voicemail for me, I felt that, you know what, I, I let them down. I want to call them before they call me. And that tends to, uh, that tends to lessen the pressure. So if somebody's really upset, really bothered thinking that, you know, I'm watching the news, something's probably going bad. I got to call Ed. And the next, thing you know, the phone rings is like, oh, thank you so much for calling. So, cause you don't have to search for my number. It shows you that I'm taking the first step of goodwill to say, I, I know that you're worried. I want to give you a call. Right. It's like, oh, thank you very much. Cause I, I, I lost your number or I had to, I couldn't remember where I put your number. Thank you so much for calling. So it usually helps to make it go better if you try to reach out before they did. So my desk mate, she did the opposite, which is she made one phone call. She, she needed to take a day. She needed to take a personal day. She came back the next day. And of course her, her voicemails are just blinking away and she's got like 20 voicemails and every single one of those voicemails are profanity and, and just, and she, she just couldn't take it. So she took another day off. And those voicemails just start to pile up. And then the more those voicemails pile up, the more they call it, the more they call every single voicemail they leave just gets worse and worse and worse. So it was already bad at the beginning. And now it's just getting worse. And worse. Next thing you know, you start getting subpoenaed and you start getting sued, right? Because you refuse. To, and I remember like she went one client, she was call him and it was like a month later. And he, and of course he was so pissed off. I was like, you got to call him, you know, rip the bandaid off, call him even now. But for me, I, I jumped into it right away and I, I sucked it up. And I, I, I learned it from um, uh, now there's a book from Jocko Willing called uh, Extreme Ownership. Just own it to so take responsibility, lean into it, take the punch to the face and then just say, hey, we didn't I didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming. Here it is. Here's you know, here's what's going on. Yeah, I love that. I learned it a little bit different way. I, I'm a big fan of the show Hard Knocks on HBO. And, and I'll never forget one of the teams they obviously throughout the the training camp they have to let go of players because they have a larger roster they got to get down to a smaller roster in in like a 45 day 90 day period you know the coach was like listen he had somebody go in there and I, they do this well in moneyball as well you, most of these people kind of understand or, or or they see what's going on especially in the 08 thing like they saw the news they knew what was going on you got to rip the bandaid off you got to let them know and just go ahead and do it cuz that shock that you went through they're going through as well just go ahead and rip it off and like you said take the punch to the face and keep moving Keep that flow of thing. You're going through this. You've made the calls. You took the punch on the face. You're keeping them up with as much information as you can. What else is left for you to do in those types of situations? Yeah. And another really good piece of advice that I got from my mentor is don't editorialize the news. Just say the facts. 
So what you don't want to do is you don't want to call your client and say, hey, Cody, it looks bad. It's really bad. Uh, you know, your million dollars that you have with me, it's, it's half a million right now. So when you editorialize that, I'm basically framing and telling you, think bad. I'm telling you how you should feel because that can blow up in your face. The other side of it is I can come in and if you editorialize as a, hey, you know what, Cody, it's not that bad. Uh, the million dollars that you have that had with us uh, a month ago, it's, it's uh, 650,000 or it's half a million right now. So it's only down 50%. That could be infuriating. Somebody is like, what do you mean? That's not so bad. That's half of my money. So it can, it, it sparks into a whole bunch of emotion. So what my mentor said is just tell the facts as it is and wait for the response. So I had some clients where I would come and I said that is like, hey, you know, the investment that you with me, it's 50% less right now. And some of them was like, oh, that's it. It's only, I thought it would be down like 60%. It's like, yeah, I kind of expected that it'd probably be down. And I have a, I'm pretty faithful that the market's going to come back. So, you know what, go ahead, Ed, just keep, keep buying hold. I got other things I'm worried about. I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in Sarasota right now. So, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up in about a month. And I'm like, wow, this person's really taking it well. So not a problem. Right. It's like, I'll keep you updated if you need it. If, you know, if you need to hear from me, by all means, leave me a voicemail and I can check that person off. Like, that person's cool. But then I had other people where I just said the facts and I wait and they said, this is really bad. Or, uh, or, you know, it's a death threat. It's like, do I need to go get my gun? Like, where are you right now? I'm going to get, bring my gun with me. Right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. It's like, okay, hang on. And then you know that, okay, this person needs a bit more handholding. You just got to right. basically take temperature. So tell them the facts, pause, wait, and see what the response is. Don't editorialize. Yeah, and don't assume how they're going to respond because like you said, different right. people are going to respond different ways. And 50% could be a lot for somebody. 50% could be not a lot for somebody. Just like I would imagine in, in a lot of the syndication space, $50,000 could be a lot for somebody. $50,000 could be not a lot for somebody. So you have to take each investor, you have to take each uh, person you're talking to on a case-by-case basis. Not everyone is the same. Right. Because if you editorialize, you could potentially insult your client without realizing. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's only a loss of twenty five thousand dollars. It's like, do you know that's a year's worth of my income? Or you could say it's, uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's, uh, it's huge. It's a twenty five thousand dollar loss. It's like twenty five thousand dollar loss is like, you know, if you're like Steve Jobs, it's like I make twenty five thousand. Like I don't, I can't pick up twenty five thousand dollars on the ground because it, I make more money just, just, just walking past it. Right, just thinking I make more than twenty five thousand. Why are you even wasting my time calling me? And you're telling me that it's a small amount. How much money do you actually manage? Is if you think twenty five thousand is a lot, you must be a kid, right? And you right. can all blow up in your face. Don't editorialize. Figure out where your client base, is, where your client emotional state is at, and then deal with it once they, you know, once they respond on on the on the facts. You know, it, it's just so interesting how somebody like yourself going through that. And I think there's a lot of respect for those that went through that and came out on the other end really successful. Having to go through that obviously taught you a lot in the moment, but when you look back to what you're doing now with your coaching clients and stuff like that, how, how do you take that type of experience and parlay that into helping them through any kind of struggles or challenges they're having with some of the things that they're doing? I think a big part of it is just to change the orientation in your mindset of what you're doing. Uh, a big part of it is not only just in sales, but in, in money management and client relations, which is you're there to serve. You're there to serve them. So that's what I recognize is that it, it happened and I can't change the fact that it happens, but they're relying on me to take from where we're at right now and to help them pick up the pieces and to move forward. So what's the best way I can serve them? Because I can, until they fire me, I work for them. And what is what do they need? And I'm going to keep doing aside from my own personal emotions. I got to bottle that up. I got to suck it up and then be the best servant to them that I can be and just keep going, keep going. 
Because what ended up happening is, is that I told my, my clients, hey, even if there's no new information, I'm at least going to give you a call and let you know that there's no new information. So I will stay in this you know, unprecedented time. I'm just going to keep telling you that what, what I know, even if it's I don't know anything different yet. So I'm going to keep that that so you don't have to keep calling and asking where th what things are. I will keep calling you. Right. So I, I learned to, to do this after that first call. So the first call, I didn't say that. But then I updated my clients, especially the ink. So I went from calling your highest net worth clients to calling the, the most emotionally distressed clients and then down. So the next week, I called those, those, those guys that were death threats. And the week later, I called him and he was quiet. And I, I updated him all the information. And at the end of the call, he said, Ed, last week, I swear to God, last week was, a was the last time I thought I would ever talk to you. I am shocked that you're calling me again. And I said to him, I was like, well, I work for you. And the best thing I can do to work for you is to keep you updated on what's going on. So, and I'm going to keep doing that. And then he just, he was just in complete awe. And then I just, every time I called him every week, the, his anger just kept dissipating. It kept diffusing. It got lower and lower and lower. Years later, when I left my firm and I wanted to take like the summer off and I wanted to go to a different firm, take a couple of months off, that client insisted I had to come work in his sales department. Because he says, like, I've never come across a guy like you before. You have to come into my office and I want you to pollinate with my sales staff because I've never come across a person like you. That's awesome. Well, listen, I mean, that's the ultimate compliment, right? When you when you're when you work for somebody and they say, Listen, you you do so well for me that I need you to come work for me or help train my team. I mean, that's the ultimate compliment, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I ended up quite well with that. So it went from death threat to you have to come and train my team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a bigger turnaround in something like something like that from a death threat to to come train my team to be as good as you are at doing this kind of stuff. So, listen, that, that's that's as incredible of a success story as I've ever heard. Having to go through what you did in 08 and seeing the market and, and managing through that process, and honestly, coming out on the other end. I do want to highlight though, and, and and not just because you're on here, but the thing that I keep hearing in your story that resonates with me and hopefully our audience is the coach, the mentors, the people that you relied upon to, to help guide you through that process. Uh, we were talking beforehand that I'm a firm believer in coaches and mentors. It's, it's like we spent most of our lives growing up in youth sports or other activities where we have people guiding us and teaching us about these things that have gone through it already. And then once we get into the professional world, it's like, Oh, you have to figure this out on your own. And it, 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 there's always been this kind of uh, weird dilemma with people going out and seeking that kind of help. So uh, for those that are listening, I, I want you to understand that a lot of times you, you can go seek this help with a coach or a mentor, and you can skip to the front of the line and learn from the mistakes and pain that they went through and not have to go through it yourself or mitigate the pain that you would have to go through if you found yourself in a similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a big believer of this adage that says that smart people learn from their mistakes, wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So there's a lot of smart people out there and I'm sure that they'll eventually figure it out. But if you want to save yourself a lot of heartache and pain, go take a look at the people that have already done it. Like when we go and study science, you don't try to learn and, and recreate the wheel and try to figure out fire. You pick up where the last person left off and you develop from that. Well, I mean, I can't thank you enough. I think that's probably as good enough spot as ever to, to wrap up. Honestly, I, I've enjoyed every moment talking to you. The, the story was really compelling. So I really hope and think it'll resonate with our audience. So thank you so much for joining us. For those that want to connect with you, maybe work with you in the future, learn from you, where's the best place folks can reach you at? 
Yeah, the best place to uh, reach out to me is uh, over uh, li- or through LinkedIn. So it's it's just my name, E-D-M-U-N-D, and then Chen, C-H-I-E-N. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn and then uh, send me a message and I'll be happy to chat. Perfect. Well, we'll drop that in the show notes so it's easily for, accessible for everyone listening. Uh, thank you again, Edmund, for joining us. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for everyone at home listening and watching. We'll catch everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.